On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I tell you where I've been for the past month. I talk to you about the best night of my life, and I explain why a simple tweet by Mr. Beast should encourage you to wait for longer before you expect to reach your goals. Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 172 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner, and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. This podcast is the place where I share the lessons I wish I knew sooner. Think of this as me learning out loud, sometimes on my own, and sometimes joined by the most interesting people I know. The only thing that's guaranteed with this podcast is that every time you press play, you're going to learn something new. Now, hello. I hope you're well. It's been a very long time, hasn't it? It has been uh, four weeks. It's been a long time. Hope you have been okay. I have been okay. I've just been very busy. Uh, so three weeks ago, I have no idea why I didn't do a podcast. I could look back at my calendar and work it out, but I'm sure you don't care that much. No idea. I'm sure there was a reason. Two weeks ago was what I have called Gig Week. If you follow me on Instagram, you may have seen that in the space of six days, I went to five gigs. Now, these gigs weren't really planned. I had one gig planned for that week, which was Fred again at Alexandra Palace on the Friday. But then in very quick succession, I bought resale tickets for the Wednesday and Thursday, two gigs, and I got given tickets to something for the Sunday. And then Fred announced a completely separate gig on the Saturday. So Sunday, I went to see Busted which was cool. It was nice. It was different. I got those tickets for free. I went with a friend in Cardiff and I was obsessed with Busted when I was about eight, like obsessed beyond words. They were like the biggest thing in my world at that age. Uh, and then of course they broke up, they stopped releasing music and they've done these kind of re-released albums and tours and stuff. And I have not in any way kept up with them. So I kind of forgot the Busted existed, but then I was offered these tickets and I thought, why not? So on a little whim, I went along and it was actually good fun. I had seated tickets off to the side and the audio in the, I think it's now called the Utilitya Arena in Cardiff, which has the same name now as the arena in Birmingham with the same sponsor. Um, the audio, the sound in there isn't great, but nonetheless, it was good fun. They sang all of the songs you'd expect them to. I had a good time. It was good fun. So that was unexpected gig number one. And then fast forward three days. And on the Wednesday in Cardiff Bay, I went to see Endubs, which was all right. I mean, it wasn't the best. It was just a bit random and hodgepodge and thrown together, it felt. And the audio wasn't great, but it was good fun. And I paid like £10.24 for the ticket on resale. So I really can't complain in that sense because it basically cost me nothing to go. That was a good evening. And then on the Thursday in the exact same location in Cardiff Bay, I saw the streets, which was incredible. I knew that I was going to enjoy the streets because they're probably one of my top 10 most played artists on Spotify. But there was just something about that set and it wouldn't make any sense if I explained it out loud now. But basically the way that Mike Skinner pulls together what looks like these drunken, confused rambles in between every single song and you think he's chatting shit but then 
at the very last minute, just before the end of the gig. There's kind of this punchline and this reveal, and it makes it all make sense. And it shows that, I guess, the the monologues that he was doing throughout that performance, which seemed spontaneous, were as considered, and I guess as, for want of a better word, they were kind of as philosophical as their songs and his lyrics. And it was great, and it was a lot of fun, and it was the perfect mix between kind of sad songs to get you in your feels and just these upbeat crazy songs it was a lot of fun it was way better than end dubs then that next day in the morning i took the friday off i drove to corby got changed jumped on the train and then went to see fred again with a friend now look you may not even know who fred again is because i talk about fred again constantly and people are like who's he even though i've spoken at them at length about fred again they're then like i need to stop you there who on earth is fred again i have no idea who that is so Fred again is a producer who makes music, which I don't even know how to describe it. People are like, what genre is Fred again? I don't know. He takes like little snippets and little voice notes and little bits from videos and turns it into these like crazily deep artistic things. And then he puts those songs on an album in such a way where the songs blend into each other. And it's like one big, long, continuous audio diary that makes you feel emotions that you don't even have a name for. Now that sounds deep, but honestly, if you can spare a few hours to get into Fred again, you will understand the hype. And it's no mistake that he is where he is, because if you Google his actual name, Fred Gibson, you see that despite the fact that he's only like 29 or 30, he has produced some of the biggest songs on the planet ever. Some of the biggest artists, people like Ed Sheeran, a bunch of British acts. Like if you just look, you'll understand the hype. So he does this incredible live show where... The music and the kind of audio notes from the music, the kind of clips that you have the the voices taken from is all thrown together onto the screens and all of the screens match the audio and the video matches the lights. And it's just this this crazily immersive experience. So that with 10,000 people at Alexandra Palace was good. It wasn't my favorite Fred again gig. Front row at Brixton back in like November, December last year was incredible, but it was good fun. But then what was my favorite Fred again gig? What was my favorite gig ever? And what was potentially, and then this sounds like a big statement, the best night of my life so far was what happened on the Saturday. So Fred again played four nights back to back, sold out at Alexandra Palace, 10,000 people each night uh, as part of his tour. Like this was pre-announced. People bought tickets months ago and they all turned up on those four days. But then on the Saturday, I had caught wind of the fact that there was going to be a secret gig the next day, so the Saturday night, that wasn't announced until the day. And so I thought, right, I need to be ready to travel to London, thinking it would just be a repeat of the night before. So the kind of the screens and the video and the set and everything that I just spoke about. But it turns out that all of those video screens and everything that made up that kind of visual concert, for want of a better word, had been packed down, had been flown out to Europe, ready for the European tour. But what they did instead, because they had this crazy sound system installed into Alexandra Palace which sounded insane like it's the best sound I've ever heard is Fred had been planning it seems this night called Fred and Friends where he just had a set of DJ decks because he's also an incredible DJ and Fred would do a four and a half hour completely impromptu unannounced gig that night which by the way sold out in about a minute 10,000 tickets sold out in about a minute for 10,000 people to travel to London that night for it And it started at 6 p.m. and it went through until half 10 at night. And it was so, so, so good. It was unbelievable. I mean, firstly, 
7 p.m. in that room felt like 2 a.m. Like you just lost all sense of time. Secondly, like the the set was amazing. The lighting was incredible. Like they had completely re-rigged that entire venue overnight to take it from a kind of concert with a few screens and a few lights to this just I can't explain how immersive it was. There were just so many lights in there and whoever was doing the lighting was incredible. Um, and then it wasn't just Fred, right? It was Fred again. And then I think his friends, Joy Anonymous, who I know a few tracks of, jumped on for a while. And then he pretended to FaceTime Skrillex. And then Skrillex was actually in the building. And then Skrillex comes out and does like a half hour set back to back with Fred. And then I think Romy, her name is, who has a couple of tracks with Fred, came out and did a bit of a set. And then after Thursday, after being on a high, after loving seeing the streets, Frank's, uh, sorry, Mike Skinner comes out and does uh, two songs just with 10,000 people screaming the words along. And then the guy whose name I cannot remember for the life of me, who does the latest single of Fred's, I Adore You, um, he came out and sang that. And then the final hour of that, just the set and the track selection was just ridiculous. It was just so good. It was honestly the best night ever to the point where it's like it's two weeks later and i i still smile when i think about it i went back a minute ago and just watched some of the videos and it was just so good and you'll remember that week was incredibly hot middle of the heat wave inside essentially an old like warehouse style building from like the 20s or whenever it was built with 10,000 people there was just something about it. There was just something magical about all of that happening all at once, spontaneously. Everybody was there because they decided like six hours earlier to buy tickets on a whim and to travel there and to make it work. And everybody was there for the same reason. And the energy was amazing. And honestly, I can't quite bottle it up and put it into words, but it was amazing. It was really good. And that was the end of gig week. So that is, is one half of why there's been no podcast. This is, this is all to answer where I've been. The second half of the answer is that the next week, so last week, my mum was away visiting her family, which means I was back at home looking at the looking after the dog, Milo. And he has just turned one. If you don't know, he's a little uh, Maltese Shih Tzu mix. Cute little dog, looks a little bit like a polar bear. Very particular in his ways. And oh my God, it was the most intense week of my life trying to keep that little dog alive. So... He wakes up every morning at about half six. And once he's awake, he needs you to know that he's awake. So he will bark endlessly until you get out of bed and go and look after him. Now, bear in mind, for the entire week previous, I was up until like 1 a.m., 2 a.m., right? Going to gigs, traveling back, trying to settle down afterwards. Going from falling asleep at 2 a.m. to waking up a few days later at 6.30 a.m., every single day, I essentially gave myself jet lag. It was difficult. And then trying to manage staying awake throughout the entire day to continue working because I was working from home for these entire times, right? It's not like I just had a week off. Uh, and then like feeding him, he's very particular with how he eats his food and he likes to sometimes not eat. So you have to feed him from a fork to keep him uh, eating, through to take him on walks and all of the palaver that comes along with that. And then Whilst my bedroom heater was on, it's cold in the back of that house in the mornings, even when it's sunny. Don't judge me for putting the heater on in September, a week after a heat wave. It was cold. The heater was on. A client called me for two and a half minutes. I'm on the phone looking away from this dog for two and a half minutes. 
I looked down and he had chewed through not only like the outer casing of this heater's cable that was plugged in and on with power going through it, but also like the inner casing of each of the wires in there and was down to like the copper live wiring. He was like half a chew away from God knows what. Thankfully, I caught him in time and stopped him. But all of that basically meant there was no way I was going to record a podcast last week because it was a trade-off between losing sleep or risking him barking in the background or trying to keep him still whilst he was in the room. And is he going to chew this cable? And is he ripping up my rug? And what's he doing on my bed? And he discovered what mirrors were because he's not normally allowed in my bedroom. So this week just gone, he discovered mirrors. But of course to him, because he's a dog, it wasn't a mirror. It was another dog and he went absolutely mental and just caused all sorts of carnage. It was a lot. I think it's made me realize that I'm not quite ready for children. So that was last week. And then Saturday, just gone, I spent in London with Peter, which was really good. Uh, As you might know, Peter Watson lives in Dubai. Now he's back over in the UK for a month or so. So we arranged to meet up and that's what we did. And it was nice. We just walked around all day and chatted, to be honest, like had some food, walked, had a drink, Uh, like Joe and the Juice, I think it was decent, good playlist in there, walked some more. I think we ended up doing something like 18,000 steps. Uh, just a nice little day out, to be honest. Not much to tell you there, but that was what I was doing over the weekend. And then on Sunday, traveled back to Wales. And now here I am in Wales. I'll tell you in a minute what I'm getting up to for the rest of this week as I try and claw back the structure of this podcast and, and let you know what I'm doing in a week's time rather than tell you what I did seven weeks ago last time I did a podcast. But before I do any of that, just to bring us up to the present moment, there is a tweet which I shared yesterday or the day before, I forget when it was, from Mr. Beast. And this tweet is actually so much more important than I think most people gave it credit for, because I think most people read this tweet and thought, oh, that's kind of novel. He's sharing how many subscribers he had on each of his birthdays gone. And of course, it's like, oh, he's the most subscribed YouTuber ever. So that's cool. Look, he grew his channel. Of course, he grew his channel. That, to me, is not why this tweet is important. So Mr. Beast the other day tweeted this. He said, here's how many subscribers my channel has had every year on my birthday. So when he was 12, he had one subscriber. When he was 13, he had 10, 14, 25, 15, 76, 16, 1,003, 17, 1,955, and so on through to 19. He had a million, 26. He now has 184 million. But it's not the lower end of that scale, i.e., when he's 26 and he has 184 million subscribers, it's important. I think that's where everybody's eye was drawn to. Oh my God, he has a lot of subscribers. That's amazing. Most people missed those first seven years, right? He started a YouTube channel at 12. Cool. Lots of people did, I'm sure. And he had one subscriber. When he was 13, he was still going, right? A year later, and he had 10 subscribers. He kept going for a year having gained only nine subscribers in that time. That's less than one per month. That's waking up every day for a month and looking at your, I guess, computer back then. It wouldn't have been a phone. And realizing, oh, this month, nobody has subscribed to me. But he carried on. And then a year later, 25 subscribers, which means just over one per month had subscribed to him at that point, right? He's been doing it by that point for two years, 25 subscribers. The next year, it's only 76. And the year after that, when he hits 1,000, which is a, for some people, is a big milestone, right? I'm not at a thousand, but it's hardly impressive. It's hardly life-changing, but it took him 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, right? It took him five years of his life 
to reach a thousand subscribers. But he kept going. And then the next year, less than a thousand more. The year after that, it goes up slightly. He's 18, he's getting older, but he's still sticking to this thing. The year after that is where the hockey stick growth comes. He hits a million and the rest of the story we know, right? But the reason that those first seven years are so important is so many people begin something new, whether they're 12, like he was at the time, 20, 40, 50, whatever, right? This applies to people at every age, and I see it all of the time. They begin something new, whether it's content online, like in this example, whether it's a new diet or going to the gym to try and change your body, whether it's learning something new, whether it's beginning in a new career, and they try really hard for a few months. And they zoom out and they realize that nothing has happened. Nothing has changed. They haven't really made progress. This is harder than they thought it'd be. It doesn't look like what, it, what they thought it would. And so after six months, they shift their mindset from, I can do this. I'm going to do this. This is my thing to, it's really unfair. I'm the victim here. I have been trying. And this thing that I want, that I think I deserve, I'm not getting. The system must be wrong. Something must be going wrong. It's somebody else's fault. The people who I look at, who are where I want to be, got lucky. This isn't my problem. This isn't my fault. This is everybody else. This is everything else. I need to give up because I'm just not cut out for this six months of my life. And I'm not where I want to be yet. And it's understandable, right? I've almost definitely done that a million times in the past. I'm sure I'll do it again in the future. And I'll have to remind myself of that exact tweet from Mr. Beast when I do so. But none of us have the right to be annoyed to be surprised that we haven't yet got the results if we're not willing to put in years and years and years because that's how long these things take you don't hear of the people who are doing well until they're doing well which means for most of us in most contexts we think somebody's story begins when they pop up on our horizon right when we become kind of slightly aware of somebody Maybe they release their first single. Maybe they win their first race. Maybe they do their first big viral piece of content or launch that first business that gets a bit of traction. It's that point there that we in our heads think, okay, they began there and they seem to get there quite quickly because I've only seen them for a little while and they're there. But we never zoom out and look where people's journeys actually began. And I speak about these stories of people like Ed Sheeran all the time, right? But the examples are everywhere in every walk of life with people with fame and also with people who have no fame and no recognition and who you probably never heard the stories of. They try hard for years when nobody's looking and they keep going when the results don't come and they just ignore the fact that it has been three years, that it's been five years, that it's been seven years and it doesn't yet look like they thought it would look like. If you're willing to zoom out, if you're willing to expand the time horizon upon which you will wait for your results, if you can wait for five years and continue in spite of there being no results, doing the actions that you know will eventually move you closer to what you want. If you can build that latent potential into your life and, and build it and build it and build it and build it and ignore the lack of results and keep going, one day you'll look up around you and you will realize that you have no competition. You'll realize that the people who you started out with, they're not there anymore. You'll realize the people who told you not to do it, they're not there anymore. You'll realize the people who you once thought were doing things you can't do are right beside you. And we know this because the story of Mr. Beast, the story of Ed Sheeran, the story of your favorite content creator, of your favorite musician, of your favorite business person, of your favorite whatever proves this. You just need to wait 
for longer than everybody else. You just need to be willing to do the work in spite of the results for longer than everybody else. That is the only way to get what you want. And the only way to not get what you want is to give up and say it's unfair and blame somebody else. And oh, it's the system and oh, it's this and oh, it's that. It's probably not. It's probably just the fact that if you haven't yet got the results you want, you probably don't deserve them. And what I mean by that is to get the results, you need to take unusual actions, right? Because you want something unusual. You probably don't want an average life. Think about the things you really want. If they were easy to get, everybody would have them. They're not right. So you need to take uneasy actions, i.e. holding your breath for seven years, putting on pause your ambitions and just doing the thing for seven years, living an unexciting life for seven years, having people talk behind your back and say, he's still trying that thing. He's still doing that. Why doesn't he just get a normal job? Why doesn't he just give up? Why doesn't he stop posting that? Why doesn't he stop doing that, right? For years. But guess what? Whilst you're not giving up, everybody around you is. And when the competition pool gets so small, it's very difficult to not win. The stories are everywhere to prove that. That tweet from Mr. Beast also proves it. And so I just thought I'd share it with you. I think that's essentially all I have this week because I want to get home and get to bed because I want to run a 10K in the morning before I jump in the car and then we're off to stay in Silverstone tomorrow night before a meeting in Milton Keynes on Thursday. We've got a big presentation for a client and I think that is it. Thank you as always for listening. I hope you have a good week and I'll see you back here this time next week for episode number 173 of Life and Lessons. See you then. Have you ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock because your personal info, including addresses and phone numbers, is all out there. It's all harvested by data brokers and sold legally. Aura is a personal digital security service that scans the internet for your sensitive information and provides a full suite of privacy-enhancing tools. For a limited time, Aura is offering listeners a 14-day free trial at Aura.com safety. That's A-U-R-A dot slash safety to learn more and activate the 14-day trial period. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you have no idea where it's going? Well, I know it's all of those subscriptions. I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on and I had them cancel the ones I didn't want anymore. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash pod24. That's rocketmoney.com slash pod24. rocketmoney.com slash pod24.